So this morning I want to share with you a word that uh, many of you may feel is uh, applicable for this season in your life. And, um, you know, it's a new year. And for some of us, that means that we, we have these New Year's resolutions. I don't know how much of a thing that is anymore uh, in society. Um, I, my family really doesn't do that specifically anymore, but there was a time where that was the rage. Everybody said, this is my New Year's resolution. And everyone knows that you start out strong, and then January and February and March, and then it starts to get nice outside, and you kind of forget about all the resolutions that you made. So this morning, I don't want to talk to you about making a resolution, but what I do want to talk to you about this morning is creating some habits. Habits are important. Um, when, I, when, when I was considering what the Lord was sharing with me to, to share with you this morning, uh, the immediate thing that came to me when God says, you know, let's talk about habits, I said, well, you know, Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. Do we really need a habit? Like, can't I just rely on uh, the Holy Spirit to lead me and guide me through this process, uh, through this living life, and 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 you know I got a heavy response back. No, <laughs> God said, "Look at Jesus's life. Did he not have habits? Did he not have things that he did on a daily basis, or a weekly basis, or a monthly basis uh, to live out his life?" And so I said, "Well, if Jesus is going to be my example, that's what I need to live by. That is." Uh, you know, the reality that we're looking at today is when we're talking about living our lives, we want to live them as Jesus lived them. That's who we're supposed to be growing into. So this morning, we, we're going to talk about habits. Habits uh, are, are, spiritual habits are regular patterns of discipline to help us to grow and mature into whom God has called us to be. So these are, these are areas of our life that we can focus in on, that we can look at and consider as areas that God would have us to grow into to mature as he would call us to be um, whom Jesus is in us. So real briefly, if you got a Bible, you got a notepad, you might want to jot these things down. Um, we're going to use an acrostic this morning. I'm not a teacher, but I remember all my teachers in school used to use acrostics to help me remember what was going to be on the test. There isn't going to be a test later on, uh, at least from me. This will be between you and Jesus, but we're going to use an acrostic habits this morning to talk about some spiritual disciplines. So let's talk about the H, the H in habits. The H in habits is to honor your time with God. Honor your time with God. Well, Pastor Steve, what does that mean? I come to church, you know, maybe I do some Bible study, uh, maybe I'm, you know, do, do some prayer while I'm driving down the road. Honoring your time with God means that you are purposefully setting aside some time. You're creating a habit to spend time with the Lord. Is, is us coming together, spending time with the Lord? Yes. But is it independent from, from the rest of the group? No, we're together. This is communion with other folks. So the question when we talk about honoring your time with the Lord is, do you have that individual space or time that you have carved out in, in the schedule that God has given you, 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, 365 days in a year, how much of that have you carved out for Jesus and you to spend some time together? 
And I'm not saying there's a a specific number that we're supposed to adhere to. Jesus said, you know, I'm going to go and pray for a while. One time he told his disciples, hey, I'm going to go and pray. Will you stay awake? And when he came back, they were sleeping. You know, the, the times can fluctuate in regards to what times you choose to spend with the Lord. But having a specific time and a place that you spend with the Lord can create a habit in your life. You know, there's a lot of uh, psychologists that will say that in the human brain and in the human anatomy, it takes about 28 days to create a good habit. And I don't know how long it takes to break a bad habit, but let's say it's the same amount. So if you took the next 28 days and carved out a time and a place to meet with Jesus, to spend some time in his word or listening or meditating, How much different would your life look moving past those 28 days? And would you begin to thirst for that time with the Lord? Um, About two years ago, I uh, decided that I was going to change my eating habits. And the first thing that I decided I was going to change was going to be my my breakfast. Um, My breakfast used to consist of some pretty unhealthy food, uh, much of which was picked up on the way to wherever I was going. So um, mainly a bagel, cream cheese, ice cap, uh, you know, things that are not healthy for you in, in any regard. You do whatever you want to do. I, I, you know, I'm not saying you can't eat your uh, bagel and ice cap. But, but I'm, you know, considering I wanted to make a change, that's where I wanted to start at. So uh, what I decided to do was kind of find, find something that I liked and I enjoyed. And I said, oh, well, waffles are good, right? I like waffles. Don't sound too good for you. But I was able to track down something that was somewhat healthy, um, a protein waffle. And it, I didn't use any syrup. But I said, i got to have something to sweeten this meal up. So I started to add in some fruit. And uh, again, whether I'm eating too much fruit or not is questionable. But now I've got a banana and some strawberries and some blueberries and some raspberries. And oh, if they got pomegranate seeds, oh, life is grand. That's the best. Um, man, those are hard to get at the store. But when you get them, they're amazing. And, and so making that change... In my, in my morning routine, in my breakfast routine, uh, allowed me not just to you know, change the intake of my food, but it also allowed me to change how I ate my food and how I prepared my food. Because now, instead of driving down the road fast, trying to get somewhere, picking something up, shoving it in my mouth, I had a little bit of time where I'm prepping and preparing this meal. And so I'm prepping and preparing a meal, and then I have to sit down and eat my meal or I like to sit down and eat my meal. And so in that process, I found that after a a couple weeks of going through this routine or this ritual, I started to want to eat this food instead of the other food. And not only that, but I started to crave the time that it allowed me to spend listening to the Bible on my phone. And it became this kind of opportunity for me to spend with the Lord that was it wasn't independent time with Jesus. It was me making breakfast. But it was different than my regular routine. And throughout the past two years now, it's been amazing. I thirst. I crave that time. When I'm gone on vacation, when I, people, my friends will tell you or my family will tell you, when Steve goes on vacation, we have to stop somewhere and pick up some protein waffles and some fruit for his breakfast because that's what, that's what he desires and wants in the morning. And so I wonder if we all made a decision to really honor God with our time, could we make some changes in our time to allow God 
to meet with us in that time. In fact, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus said when his disciples said, how should we pray and what should we do when we want to commune with God? Jesus said this, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think, they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. It's out of Matthew 6, verse 6. I, when I was reading this scripture, it reminded me of my daughter, Ava, who, um, if she wants to get something from me or, or you know, has a desire for something, usually she'll come ask a million times. And if any of you are parents in this room right now, by about the 15th time that your child asks, you, you absolutely want to say no because you're just done. <laughs> they've said it a bazillion times. You know what they want. They've told you. They've expressed it. But they keep saying it and saying it and saying it to the point that you kind of get a little frustrated. So I'm trying to encourage my daughter, like, if you, if you want something or if you need something, just say it a couple times. Come and ask your dad. Does your dad not want to help you do whatever you want to do to accomplish those things, especially if they're for the good? So our Father in heaven is the same way. When we carve out time, when we spend time with the Lord, it's not so much how many words come out of our mouth. We may have a lot of words to say. I don't know how many of you are, are large word talkers. Um, I've heard it said that women talk about 20 times more words in the day than men, and it's probably true because, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not much of a talker. Um, you know, when I get home, it's kind of relaxation time. I'll speak, but communication ongoing is not quite my thing. So this is easy for me to sit with the Lord and not speak, to meditate to listen, to hear, to share what is on my heart, but then again, listen to the Lord. And I wonder for you if that might be something this year that you could make a habit of, that you could step into that time with the Lord, into that prayer time or quiet time, and, and I'd encourage you to find, find your comfort place. I don't know where that place is. You know, Jesus said this. He says, go into your closet and shut your closet and, and, and shut the door. That's to kind of produce a space of quietness. How many, how many of you have ever recorded anything, but when you want to record something and you want to make sure that your recording is crystal clear, you go into like a sound booth and it's like vacuum sealed, like they shut the door and you can't hear anything else. And it, and it makes it it's such a space of quietness that you're just there with your thoughts or whatever you're going to say. And Jesus is telling us the same, giving us the same opportunity here, saying, go into your closet. Shut out everything else that's going on. Get in and consider what you want to speak to the Lord. But then, shh. <laughs> Isn't that interesting here? Jesus says, don't, don't, don't continue on like you have to fill every void of silence with the words coming out of your mouth. Sit and listen. Be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Be attentive to the Father. Honor your time with God. Honor your time with God. Commune with the Lord. When we have communion here, what do we do? We, it's kind of a, a time of reverence. I'm not saying every time you go to pray with the Lord, you have to be in a time of reverence. But, but it does produce a, a, a different feel, different atmosphere. 
for your spirit to consider when you're spending that time with the Lord and you're meditating on his word, you're meditating on the words that you've just spoken and what the Holy Spirit is speaking back to you. So that's habit number one. Habit number two is attend church. Seems like a pretty simple one, right? Get up on a Sunday and get to church. Sometimes it's a little bit more difficult <laughs> for some of us than others. But there is an important direction when we talk about attending church. And this is another dynamic of, of living a lifestyle that is after the way that Jesus lived his life. And you say, well, Pastor Steve, they didn't have church when Jesus was around. Well, no, they didn't have church. What they had was synagogue, and they had the temple. And guess what? Jesus was there three times a day. There was a, there, there was a communal prayer time, a communal time, where the, the Jewish people would gather together to pray. And so there's a reality here that there's a, a lifestyle that we need to live to, to be together, to grow together, to attend church together. Thank the Lord for live stream. If you're on live stream, hello. This is the service that we live stream out to people. And if you can't make the church, that's great. That's an opportunity for that. But how good it is to be with brothers and sisters in unity. It changes something. It changes the atmosphere in your life. It creates a different understanding of what it means to be in relationship with each other when we're worshiping in one accord. When the worship team is playing a song and they all hit the right note and you out there are singing as close to the note as you can, it creates something in the atmosphere that I can't explain. But the Lord created it in that when, when he created the heavens and the earth, he created that dynamic. There was a reality of people singing together, and that was a crescendo up to his throne. In fact, the Bible says that when we sing, it's like a sweet savor unto the Lord. Now, that's amazing. Last night I was eating a steak at Black Rock. I don't know if anybody's ever had Black Rock steak. But literally, they bring a steak out to you on this 750-degree volcanic stone, and you cook your own meal. I felt like I should have paid half price because i got to cook my own steak. But, but when they bring it out, the smell is just, oh, it's amazing. If you're not a steak person, I don't know if you would enjoy it. But if you are, you just, you're smelling in all that sweet, savory steak on the plate or on that volcanic stone. And so when we're attending church together, when we're growing together in the Lord, we're creating that atmosphere of, of that sweet-smelling savor onto the Lord. And not only that, but it allows us to then consider how we can partner or encourage one another in Jesus. You know, sometimes we can forget about one another when we don't see each other, right? I mean, names, faces situations we pray for one another when we can but when we see each other something in our spirit is moved especially when we see a brother or sister in need the bible says this and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another there's a there's i just noticed this there's a word habit in here look at that so don't do this as some are in the habit of doing, not meeting together. We're not going to do that habit. We're going to do the other habit, 
which is the meeting together habit, growing together, and encouraging one another. So it's not just good enough to meet with one another, but we have to be an encouragement to one another. Well, how are we encouragement to one another? When so-and-so sees so-and-so worshiping and they know so-and-so is in a situation, but they can see them crying out to God, oh, that brings encouragement, doesn't it? When you see a good deed done by a brother or sister in Christ, you, you become encouraged. When you, when you uh, have that opportunity to be an encouragement to someone else and you see their spirits lifted, what does that do? It, it builds up your spirit, man, because you say, I, I was a part of that. I participated in what God wanted to accomplish in the body of Christ. And that's part of us attending church together. We must be an encourager to one another. And this was said in the prayer time this morning in, uh, while we were praying in the prayer room. And we need to do this more as we see the day approaching. Oh, what's the day? I mean, the, the day for you tomorrow might be different than the day for me. But there is a day approaching in the future where the Lord will be returning. And there's a day approaching in the future where some of us or all of us or any of us are going to approach something in our lives that's going to be difficult. And if we're not part of that body, if we're not in relationship with that body of Christ, we're going to feel alone on an island. The word this morning was that God will not forsake us. How about if we as the body act as the body and don't forsake each other? What if we come together and recognize that it's not good enough for us just to say, hey, I go to church once in a while, but it's, it's better that we say we come together as the body. I attend church not for myself, but I attend for my brother in Christ. I attend for my sister in Christ. I come because I'm an integral part of what God wants to do. It's great to come and receive and get filled up and encouraged and, and leave out of here ready to go and face another week. But it's also a part of you encouraging one another, encouraging those around you. So habit number two, attend church. Put it on your docket. Get it on your calendar Sundays, Wednesdays, be here. All right, the B, what is the B, acrostic B? Be generous, be generous. In everything I did, this is, what the, the, this is what Paul had to say about being generous. He said, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I want to point out a few things in this scripture. First of all, we want to recognize that being generous does require us to consider that we had to work to be generous. I was listening to Proverbs this morning, and the proverb that I was in was talking about that slack hands, meaning hands that just, you know, go in your pockets, um, they usually are not going to provide you anything. And mere talk with your words is not going to provide you anything. But if you're working with your hands and you're doing stuff, then you're, you will never lack. There will always be substance in your life. There will always be substance or food for you to be, provision for you to have. And it's interesting in our lives that when we want to be generous, sometimes we're stingy because we don't have maybe what we feel we need. And so it's hard for us to give of what we have. 
And, and I'm not here to, to, to point out any specific area of your life, but let me encourage you that maybe in 2024, as you consider the habit of being generous, you consider the habit of working hard. You may say, Pastor Steve, I'm done working. I retired a long time ago. <laughs> Let me encourage you. Work doesn't have to mean that you're bringing in finance. But work means that you're living your day out in a way that says, I have something to accomplish today. I'm not just going to get up, turn on the TV, and sit here for 12 hours, and then go to bed. There is something that God has for each of you to do every day. And if we're not sowing seed, guess what? We're just wasting our days. There is an opportunity for each and every one of us in any capacity that we're in to go and do what God has called us to do, to go and sow the seed that he's called us to do today. It amazes me how many people that have disabilities, that are... Um, uh, you know, they, they grow up in a, in a family situation that's torn apart, that, that grow up in a situation where they, you know, lived on um, government food and, and food from friends and family, and, and they, they, they mature into these amazing people that have amazing testimonies, that have amazing opportunities to share, that have uh, amazing wealth and amazing uh, assets and things that they are so generous with. And it's because... Their desire to work was beyond what their situation was. The easy things don't usually amount to a whole lot of good things. If you want to build muscle, and I'm not a, a, you know, a muscle guy, but if I wanted to build muscle, I could not just do what I do now, which is to do my cat stretches and my little push-ups in the morning. That's not going to build any muscle. I'd have to do some hard work. I'd have to lay out a routine and a regimen and do some hard work, and then I could build up some things. Some of us need to build up our most holy faith. Some of us need to build up our activity level. Some of us need to build up what we're thinking about. Some of us need to build up the idea that we need to spend time with the Lord instead of spending time with our TV screens or our video screens or our phone screens or whatever the situation is that you have. But there is a capacity to being generous that connects itself to hard work, to drawing close to the Lord and saying, what is it that you have for me to do today? Let me go and do it. There's many, many, many missionaries that I've talked to that have said, you know what, Pastor Steve, the, the idea of being a missionary is, is, is daunting to people because they just see you got to give it all up. You have nothing. You're going out on the field with nothing. You're going out to a new country with nothing. They said, but if you will go, if the Lord's called you, if you will go and you will work, you will sow the seed that God has called you to sow. You will do what God has called you to do. God will pour back into your life more and abundantly more than you could ever think or imagine. It's not about how much we have. It's not about how much uh, we can show off, but it is about how much we can be generous with. It is about what we're willing to give away and give to those in need. Just as the Bible here says that we must give, it's more blessed to give than to receive. What about the I? What about the I? The I is to invest in healthy friendships. Invest in healthy friendships. 
this is probably one of the most pivotal areas in a Christian's life that seems to be the most difficult. Whether it's friendships that we have from people that we were with before we came to know the Lord, whether it's friendships with people that we have that really they're not beneficial to our spirit man. Friendships have an ability to either help you grow or help you stay the same or, or actually go back. It's imperative that we consider building healthy friendships or investing in healthy friendships. Why should we invest in healthy friendships? Well, the word investment means that, again, it's time, it's energy, there's something involved in it. Friendships, it amazes me how many uh, folks today, when you want to begin to build a friendship, you know, and friendship takes time and effort, right? It's not something like, I sit down next to you one Sunday morning and, hey, we're, we're friends tomorrow. But friendship is something that takes effort, usually on both parties, and usually there's a process for this. When we have our new members class at the church here, we have an opportunity to talk about how um, we, we've really created and have a desire to have a, a place, be a place of hospitality. Because the, the, the Bible talks about how if you want to have friends, you make yourself friendly. All right, that, that's the reality. So if, you're, if you don't have any friends this morning or are looking for friends, be friendly. That's step one. So as a church, we do that pretty directly. Like, we're friendly as you walk in the door. Some people don't like a handshake or a hug, and, um, you know, they got to kind of shy the greeters off because our greeters are, hey, how you doing? High fives and hugs and handshakes. And, and, and that's step one. That's like the, the step one of, of getting to know somebody. It's just, you know, shaking their hand and saying, hi, how are you? Starting to invest in, in that person's life by just sharing who you are. Hi, I'm Steve. Good to meet you. And then, you know, it takes on another level when, when you go from that spirit of greeting or, or beginning hospitality to a, to a time where you're willing to, you know, have somebody come in and, and, and kind of sit with you and be with you. Do the, think about this at your house. You know, if somebody comes and knocks on your door, I mean, I don't know how many of you have people knocking on your door anymore. Usually people are calling on the phone or texting, hey, I'm in your driveway, open the garage door. I want to get in, it's too cold out here. Um, but, but if, you, if you had a sales guy or somebody knock on your door and you opened your door and said hello, well, that's step one, right? Like you said hello, but there's still that storm door. Here in Michigan, we have storm doors. Like the rest of the country, there ain't no storm doors. We're like the only people. So you got that like barrier protection, that screen between you and the person outside of you. And, 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 and that's step one. You said, hi, how are you? But now if you invite them in your house, you've kind of invited them into that next level of getting to know you. You're starting to build that rapport, and, and if it's a sales guy, they're thinking, okay, I've almost made the sale. Uh, if they're a friend of yours, they're thinking, great, maybe I'll get some food after this. And, and, and so there's that idea of, of drawing into that friendship time, of, of growing together, of maturing together, of coming into the house and sitting together. And as a church, we exemplify that here. We, we, we recognize there are people coming into this building, coming into this body, who may not already know the Lord, who may not already have a relationship with other people here, who want to grow and know who Jesus is. But they need to be around other people. They need to you know, consider who they are in Christ. 
And so the same is in our lives. We've got to invest in those folks, in those relationships. But then there comes a time, and this is, this is the favorite time of mine, where you, where you sit down and you, and you get to have some food together. I'm not going to lie. I, that, to me, is the best way to build a friendship. Go and get some food together. Or have somebody cook you a steak. That's really cool, too. Um, but it changes the dynamic when, when there's a meal served, when there's food served. You know, we, we hear in Acts that the, that the church that was meeting together, they were worshiping together, they were praying together, they were having communion with one another, and they were going to each other's house, and they were breaking bread. They were eating with one another. That was part of building the church. And that still is part of building the church. You know, we, we as a church make it so imperative, uh, that part of, of, of church culture, that we carve out on Sunday morning a specific time that we as a body can meet together and eat together. Some of you like bagels, some of you don't. Some of you like coffee, some of you don't. But it's a time where we can at least sit down and get to know one another. We can invest in each other's lives. Consider when we do this, when we practice these things, when we invest in healthy relationships, when we attend church together, when we build in that time of koinonia, of fellowship with one another, look at what we're able to do. The Bible says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is in James chapter 5. You might say, Pastor Steve, I'm not going to confess my sins to, to, to so-and-so or so-and-so. But there might be somebody that you would. Because why? You've invested in a friendship with them. Part of that investing in friendship means to be vulnerable. And you're not going to be vulnerable if I just met you at the front door of my house. You're not going to be vulnerable if you just came in and sat down in my living room and we had a conversation. You're probably not going to be vulnerable enough to start telling me all wild, crazy stuff if I just cook you a steak. But if I've built a relationship with you and if you've invested in your friends and they've invested in you and you have this like-mindedness and you know who you are in Christ and there's a reality that brothers and sisters are here to encourage one another, prod each other on in the good things of the Lord, then we can share our faults. We can share what the issues are that we're going through. We can share all the particulars of our life with each other knowing that we won't be judged. It's not a judgment call, but it's an ask for prayer. Investing in friendships is so unbelievably important because it produces in us the ability to go to that other person now and to say, you know what, brother, I need, I need you to pray for me. You know what my, what my areas of, of need are. You know what my sins are. You know what my, what my concerns are. Will you pray for me today? Because the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know how many people read that scripture and say, well, I'm not the prayer warrior because I'm not righteous. I fail every day. If I, took, if I took a poll in this room right now and, and we read this scripture and I said to you, do you believe that you have the ability to pray righteously because of what the scripture says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective? I, 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 would tend to, I would tend to say that more than 50% in this room would say, that's not me. I'm not righteous. I fail every day. I sin every day. 
There's areas in my life that I don't want you to see, much less Jesus. But let me, let me encourage you in this. Because that word righteous there is the same word, the same word that's used in Romans 3.22, which says this, for this righteousness is given through faith in Christ Jesus. So the righteousness in this scripture that says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective is not because of what you've done. It's not because you've lived your life holy and you've lived your life perfect and this week you didn't sin and this week you, you spent all your time with Jesus and you've been at the altar praying and you've been in the prayer room every service. No, it's because of Jesus who lives in you. It's because of the faith that you have in Christ Jesus. So each of us have the authority to pray in power and in might and in purpose to be effective to, for our brothers and sisters. And this is imperative in friendships because if you want, to draw to closer, you want to draw closer together in your friendship, pray for each other. You want to recognize the power of God? Pray for your friends. Ask your friends to pray for you. Draw in close together. Have that time together. It changes your life. If you make it a habit in your life that you will call a friend. I'm not saying you got to do it every week, but consider a habit. What does this habit look like of investing in your friends and praying for them? It's, you know, doing it at church is one thing, but how about outside the church? How about the Holy Spirit quickens you and says, you know what, you need to call so-and-so and encourage them today. You give them a call. You say, you know, I don't know what happened today, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I was here to call you, and God wants you to know that you are loved and cared for, and you pray for them, and you don't know what that did for their life. But consider when, something, when that's happened to you. Has anybody ever called you out of the blue? Has everybody come up to you and said, you know what, I don't know what it is, but God wants me to pray for you? Completely changes your countenance. Completely changes your situation. And that's the Holy Spirit working through the believers. It's working through the body of Christ to draw us closer together. So, habit I, invest in healthy friendships. Invest in healthy friendships. Number, letter T, Letter T, tell your story. We all have a story. Some of us wish we didn't have the story we have. But we do. We've got a story. I've, I once heard it said that the best testimony... Some, some of us grew up in the church, lived our lives in, in a way that it, it, we would consider righteous. Um, and, and you might think you don't have a story. And I once heard it said by a guy who had a real difficult story, a guy who went to prison, a guy who got shot, I don't know, eight or nine times, um, got out of prison, went back into doing what he was doing, went back to prison, finally got out and said, I'm done with this, and came to know the Lord, had this crazy wild testimony, wrote a book, came and talked to everybody about it. But he said, you know what? He said, I might have this crazy wild testimony, but there aren't many people in my life that I'm talking to that are in this situation that have been shot eight or nine times. He said, the best testimony is the testimony that you have to share with the people in your life. He said, I might be on a, on a stage and sharing this, but he said, your testimony, the testimony that you have is going to be more impactful to those in your life than mine. And so we all have a story. We all are called to be salt and light. 
right? That's the purpose of why we're living on planet Earth once we get saved. You know, the Bible doesn't say, well, we get saved and then God sucks us up to heaven and we're all fine and dandy. No, we got to continue living out this life and there's a purpose for it. It's for us to tell our story. Here's what the Bible has to say about telling our story. This is a long one, but it's a good one. That which was from the beginning, which is Jesus, which is Father God, which we have heard with our ears, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands. So I'll stop right there real briefly. If you haven't had an opportunity to hear, feel, and see Jesus, start with habit H, honor time with the Lord. Because then you will have that opportunity to feel those things. So concerning the word of life, concerning Jesus, concerning all those things that Jesus is, the life was made manifest, which is Jesus, and we have seen it and we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too, you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. There's a lot in there, but let's break it down like this. We didn't know Jesus. Then we knew Jesus. We found him. We felt him. We touched him. We experienced him. Now the life we live, we live because he is living in us, and we're able to share it and proclaim it with those around us. That's our story. And we write these things or say these things or do, or do these things so that our joy that is within us can be made complete. Why? Because we get to share and tell of our testimony. And those who receive the good things of God, those who receive the gospel, can then do the same thing over and over and over. The proclamation of the gospel doesn't stop when we walk out of these doors. It starts. Let me say that again. The proclamation of the gospel doesn't stop when we walk out of these doors. It starts. The gospel is when you go and do what you've called to do. When you go and live your story, when you go and tell your story, that is the proclamation of the gospel. You share what Jesus did in you so that others may come to know who Jesus is. So we've got tell your story. Be salt. Be light. Be that city on a hill. I don't know where you're at. I don't know um, all the, the idiosyncrasies of your life and the situations that you're involved in, but I, I would tend to say that there's probably some of you that are in some pretty dark situations or dark places where you have to go to work or you have to go to school or you have to go and do things, and there are people looking at you wondering why you're different, wondering why you have so much joy and everybody else is blah, wondering why you're so happy when everybody else is sad. And there's going to be opportunity for you to share your story in 2024. S, serve others. Serve others. The Bible says, as each of you has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. So whether you're preaching on a pulpit 
or whether you're cutting bagels, or whether you're greeting somebody at the front door, or whether you're singing on the worship team, or whether you're greeting somebody as they walk in the sanctuary, helping them find a seat, or whether you're up in the sound booth helping somebody uh, learn how to do sound, or whether you're running sound, or whether you're teaching some of the children downstairs, or whether you are doing whatever God has called you to do and purposed you to do and given you the gifts to do, do it. Because as we're serving one another, we're serving the Lord. We are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. This is the reality of who we are and what we're supposed to do. And so in 2024, let's consider these things. Let's consider creating some spiritual habits. Let's, let, let's consider in your life how you can do this. How can you honor your time with God? How can you attend church? Well, that's easy. I mean, that's an easy one. Just come. <laughs> and if this ain't, the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that's going to be really difficult this morning. If, if this church ain't your church, then go find your church. I'm just, just going to say it. You be around people that are like-minded, that you can connect with, that you can be in relationship with. That's part of the body. Hey, there's, you know, on, literally there are 300 churches and ministries in the city of Roseville. Blows my mind when I hear that. When I hear that, but that's just the that's the truth of it. Be with other believers that you can worship with. Be generous. Be generous. Share your time. Share your talent. Share your treasure. Share what you have worked hard for. Recognizing what God has given you, you can give to others. Invest in healthy friendships, not in bad friendships. Might be time to cut out some rotten fruit in your life. Invest in healthy friendships. Tell your story. Be salt. Be light. Go into the dark places so that you can proclaim the gospel and serve others. Be part of the body. Use the gifts and talents that God has given you to encourage one another. Let's just seek the Lord for a moment and consider which one of those habits you think that God might want you to start this year. It's not a New Year's resolution. We're not doing this so that we can puff ourselves up or grow outside of Christ. We're doing this to provide ourselves with spiritual habits that will help us maintain and grow in Christ to become who Jesus has called us to be. Father, we thank you this morning for the example of Jesus for the example of him living his life as a, as a human, as a man. The Bible says that he was born as a man, as a natural human being, so that he could face all the trials and temptations that we do. And we have that testimony in him to look towards. The same spirit that lives within Christ lives within us. The same spirit that lives within Christ lives within us. Lord, help us to build up our spirit, man. Lord, we look to create habits that are going to reduce our fleshly desires that are going to reduce the, 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 the desires of our own nature. 
so that we can take on the spiritual nature that you've given us, Father God. Lord, whatever area of our life that you need to work on, would you highlight that to us this morning? Lord, I pray that you would speak it into our minds. Lord, what area, what habit can we start with this year that will help our spirit man to grow, to mature in Christ? Acknowledging it's not for our glory, it's not for our purpose, but it's for your glory, it's for your purpose.